Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. ES Audio. Oh, hello, everyone. Uh, Lawrence, uh, yeah, I'm ringing you now. Where are you? Um, well, I'm on my way back to the studio in London, but uh, I'm on a train. I was a bit worried about you, Lawrence. I've just seen a, a picture of you wearing a whale shirt. Have you been kidnapped? Uh, I certainly haven't been kidnapped, no. I went to Lyon uh, over the weekend after the England game as part of ITV's team and watched uh, Wales Australia. Uh, you may have seen me in a red shirt. I'm, I'm pretty sure it might have been a British and Irish Lions rugby shirt, but... Uh... Not sure it was. I think it, well, it might have been a little sneaky Wales shirt. And I saw you, you having a point with Warren Gatland after the game. I imagine he was uh, in very, very good spirits. Yeah, no, it was an amazing performance. And obviously, um, I haven't uh, sworn my allegiance to Wales just yet, but uh, I do have uh, a lot of friends that coach Wales. So Alex King was obviously the attack coach last night. They scored a brilliant first try, uh, Gareth Davis' first try off of first phase and, and obviously Warren Gatland and uh, certainly won the battle against Eddie Jones hands down last night and they were in uh, fine form and the whole squad were uh, out having a few beers as you'd expect from any team coached by Gatland after a big win. Yeah, superb. Well, Nick, Nick has managed to uh, to turn up on time and get himself sorted. He's not had flight cancellations and delays but um, I think we'll, we'll let you navigate the French railway system Lowell and get yourself home uh, and we'll catch up later in the week and talk a bit more about the Rugby World Cup when you get back. Yeah, look forward to it guys. Nick, I'm sure you can give us all the update on England and uh, bon voyage everyone. The Evening Standard Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio. So for those of you that are still listening, uh, this is the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast and I'm glad that I am joined by Evening Standard Rugby correspondent Nick Prewell who uh, was at the England Chile match on Saturday. Uh, Nick, you must be still delighted to have seen some running rugby at last from the England team. Absolutely. You know, 11 tries, a, a fantastic performance and uh, finally finding their groove. And OK, the quality of opposition wasn't as high. Anywhere near as high as it will be moving forward, but you can only beat what's in front of you. And they did that very well. It was a cogent performance. There was some fluent attack. Henry Arundel, five tries, phenomenal. And Marcus Smith was a revelation at fullback. And the thing that really stood out for me was his pace off the mark, was outrageous. And it says a lot about the work that England have done over the summer with their sprint coach, Jonas Dudu, who is a phenomenal specialist in that regard. And speaking to people in and around the squad in the last few days, the word is basically that over 20 metres, Marcus Smith is the fastest player in the England squad, even faster than Henry Arundel. That new training coach is not Tom Hanks, is it? Because uh, apparently now Marcus <laughs> Smith thinks that he is now Forrest Gump, which uh, is a bit, bit worrying if he does get hold of the ball and he keeps running and he doesn't stop. But do you now think that Smith and Arundel are both 
got to play in the next game against Samoa and in all probability in the quarterfinal against Fiji as it's now looking likely? Um, no. Short, sweet answer. No, well, you know, look, I think there's a way to crowbar Marcus Smith into the team at fullback, and that's to put Freddie Stewart on the wing. And I think you'd have to recalibrate the back three, but it's very doable, and it would give England a totally different dimension. But you would sacrifice something in attack on the edge, potentially, because Stewart doesn't have the pace of out-and-out gas of a, of a traditional winger. But he's so so very good under the high ball, so very solid, so very dependable, reads the game so well. And, and what we didn't see on the weekend was Marcus Smith really having to suffer any threats of, of a team attacking with their repeated phase play. And, and Freddie Stewart's so good at reading the game. And, um, you know, Mark Smith is phenomenal attacking talent. And I'd love to see him take that role. I think it's unlikely that they'll do that. And I think also with Henry, you have to remember he's only 20. And he's still sort of kind of considered a work in progress in terms of the wider facets of his game. His finishing ability is phenomenal. And when he gets on the ball. And actually, Max Malians was saying the other day that um, when Henry Arundel runs, if you close your eyes and listen, he sounds different from all the other players. And a lot of that is to do with just footfall. Because one of the things that Jonas Dudu has been really pushing with the players is actually to run fast, you don't want to pick your legs up. You want to punch your feet into the ground because it's the power off. And that's kind of counterintuitive. And Freddie Stewart was talking about that because he's done an awful lot of work as well. He's looking quicker than ever as well. I was going to say it's a bit different to the noises that you or I make when we run then because that's probably just us being out of breath and exhausted. But, I mean, how impressed were you by Arundel? I mean, particularly given everything that he went through last season with London Irish. And I actually wanted to point out to Lowell, who's now obviously enjoying the beauties of uh, SNCF on his way back to Paris, but um, he was actually born 10 months before England won the World Cup in 2003. So and that makes me feel old. So I'm sure it makes him feel even older. But yeah, a great quote after the game as well. He said it was great scoring five tries, but we haven't won the World Cup. We still need to win the group. That's the priority. So clearly, uh, old head on young shoulders. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the other great things he talked about was um, dedicating that to the London Irish supporters because he's acutely aware of the fact that the Irish supporters can't go and find a new club. So, you know, they're in limbo. What are they supposed to do? Their rugby experience has been turned upside down, the same as Worcester, the same as Wasps. Um, the players, they have to move on and find new clubs. But he was very clear on the fact that, you know, he'll always be doing it for London Irish, basically, for the coaches and players, you know, the coaches that brought him through. And, and that, that was a nice touch, really, because, you know, they were on his mind. He kind of volunteered that. And it's, you know, it's, it's pretty cool to, to see, you know, and hear that, that he's still thinking about, about that and it still matters to him. And I hope that some of the Irish supporters who watched that game and heard that afterwards will take a little bit of solace from it, even though obviously this season they can't go watch the exiles so now obviously england haven't got a game for a fortnight what are they going to do and more importantly what are you going to do are you going to actually get some time to come home and see your family can they remember what you look like um tbc on that front i mean there's an awful lot still going on here and i think a couple of the backroom staff might go home the players have been given some time off but they're not allowed to leave france because of anti-doping whereabouts so that's sort of tricky for them but people are having their families come over they're allowed to leave the but they can't leave france so there's a slightly strange situation where 
you can almost see England from the beach in the 2K and it's about 50 miles away as the crow flies. So some people are very close to home, but they're going somewhere else in France, which is further <laughs> further away from home. So something else that's counterintuitive this week, but that's uh, that's tournament life for you. But um, Steve Warthick's not going home. He's staying here because he's got his head down, planning and plotting, and that's his way. And it's one of the things that we hope in the long run will mark him out as an England coach of the highest quality. He uh, can't get too far ahead, I guess. I mean, um, unlike myself, who's now booked my trip to Marseille to watch England play in the quarterfinal, keeping everything crossed that they didn't make a complete mess of it, and they didn't, thankfully. But I guess they've still got one more game to uh, overcome, haven't they? And they can't look too far ahead at this stage. No, and I think that's absolutely Steve Borthwick's way. There's no way he would let his eye stray from the Samoa game, which is a massive game. And, you know, you'd expect England to win it. Obviously, England would never say that because it's not their way. But the biggest thing about it is the physicality of it is going to be off the scale. Potentially, you've got Manu Tuolangi playing against people of his same heritage. So for the Tuolangi family and a lot of the Samoan team, you know, he will know all of them really, really well. There's an awful lot of links there. And it would be an unbelievable day for Manu, but you feel almost like the coaches might be tempted not to play him in the game, which would be terrible in some respects because it would be such an, a brilliant occasion. But the Samoan way of rugby is basically, well, if you're playing against your friend, you're going to try twice as hard to hit them twice as hard. And you'd get the same back. But um, but yeah, the, the worry would be that if Manu got injured, obviously that would be a real crying shame for the rest of the tournament. So that's a real sort of catch-22. Now, we should just say that obviously Sarah is not with us either. She is uh, currently enjoying the afterglow of uh, Wales's win uh, over Australia as well. But she will be back with us. She's enjoying some uh, much-needed rest and some recuperation and also catching up with her family, I think. But um, now that we know that she has finally brainwashed uh, Lawrence into wearing that Wales shirt, Looking at that Wales performance, were Wales that good, Nick, or were Australia that bad? I mean, to a certain extent, I think only time will tell. Wales were certainly a lot better than they have been. And I think great credit's got to go to Ron Gatlin and his coaching staff for doing what they do, what he does best, which is taking a group of players that are potentially quite disparate at the start and turning them into a really cogent, ferocious uh, force on both sides of the ball. And, you know, the try they scored, the first phase try was very well constructed. Hats off to Alex King. The defence was brilliant. Hats off to Mike Forshaw. And Warren Gatlin knows exactly what to do, when to do it, how to do it. 141 tackles, wasn't it? Unbelievable, man. Yeah. Not only is he a brilliant technical coach, but he's an excellent man manager. You know, Lawrence was saying after the match there, they've had a few beers and... That kind of old school methodology mixed with the new school of, of everything else is one of the reasons why Gatlin still endures as such a very successful and well-respected test match coach. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Obviously, we had Eddie Jones on, and we're most grateful to have come on last week on the show. Obviously, it didn't go very well for him. I've just read you what you've written today in the Evening Standard. It should be death by a thousand quotes for the silver-tongued head coach. Is there any way back for Eddie? I mean, I actually I did hear that he'd asked World Rugby not to put his picture up on the screen because uh, he was a bit fearful of the backlash and he was getting booed every time he came up. And the story did surface this weekend that he'd already spoken to Japan about taking over after the World Cup. Can you see that being any way that he is still in charge of Australia after the World yeah, Cup? Yeah, I can. Absolutely. Because I think one of the things that Eddie is best at is convincing people he's the right man for any job. And I think Eddie is somebody who's always going to be in work because there's always somebody who's going to think that he's the right guy. And the Japan thing, firstly, it wouldn't surprise me if that's true at all. Secondly, it wouldn't surprise me if the denials Eddie issued are also true because on a semantic level, he didn't completely deny everything. And that's, but Eddie's a very intelligent man. So he knows exactly what he's doing. And beyond that, he's always had this kind of way of he's done sort of extra gigs on the side. And he's always spoken to people and kept his options open. And, and to be honest, if you're going to employ Eddie Jones, and you don't know what you're letting yourself in for, then it's your own fault. Now, Rugby Australia have employed Eddie Jones. And if they don't know what they employed, then that's on them. Now, the balance in you know, what I've said there and what I've written. I think firstly, Eddie be the first one probably to read that and laugh because he'd understand the, you know, the context in which it's written, which is sort of slightly tongue in cheek, which we know he's great at. And, you know, we know Eddie's great value and he's a phenomenal company, isn't he? He's a very tough coach, but he's also really, really funny, very, very deep thinker on rugby and lots of other things. You know, he has lots of interests outside of rugby. He's a very intelligent guy. So we know he understands the game and how it goes and everything that's played within it. Now, if you want to get the best out of Eddie Jones, I think you've got to let Eddie do it his way, but also temper it a bit because he ended up with too much control with England. And I think you do need people to put around him to soften the edges. The next thing that he said from the start all along is that he's building for the long term. He's selected, he's promoted youth in favour of experienced players that he's omitted. And from the start, he's been very clear about the fact that he's done that to try to build for the 2027 World Cup that Australia are hosting. The biggest thing is he also said Australia would win both World Cups. <laughs> and he did say that. And... Well, he, well he, also, he also said we'll win on Sunday, but he didn't say which Sunday. <laughs> well, look, I mean, you know, he is the master of all these things. But I think when we draw down into it and get serious, actually, you look at those players and the looks on the faces, Rob Valentini in tears, they're not even out of the World Cup yet. You know, they will be, but they're not yet. And this now is a very kind of ponderous end to their tournament unless Fiji suffer some kind of collapse which they won't because Fiji are a very good team so it's awful to see in that respect but that's also the brutality of professional sport Eddie can recover he's very capable of it he's so thick-skinned he will take this and bounce back so it'd be fascinating to see whether they give him the opportunity to build for the future and the players who respond to Eddie's way they will 
be better for this experience. You know, he brought the best out of people like Dylan Hartley. And let's not forget, in 2015, Dylan Hartley was dropped from the England squad because of his disciplinary issues. And four years later, less than that, Eddie Jones made him captain. And they took England to the World Cup final. So Eddie's way isn't everybody's way, but it can work. And I think... It's obviously a dark time for Rugby Australia, but they've got a massive decision to make. And I feel like rugby is a sport where you've got to give people time, you've got to back them, you've got to give them what they need. Stability is vital. So much as actually sacking Eddie from England less than a year out from a World Cup was crazy by the RFU because they should have done it much sooner, let's be brutally honest, Australia getting rid of Dave Rennie in a similar situation was equally you know, madcap. And rugby can't afford this boom and bust cycle Football has long since got rid of this and taken itself into a far more prudent approach. And managers change, but they keep structures of directors of football and people on the board. And they might change a head coach, but they don't change the philosophy or the plan, the signings or any of the rest of it. It was about time rugby caught up. Now, um, you talk about stability. I mean, if we look back on what has arguably, well, without doubt, been the game of the tournament so far on Saturday night, Ireland beating South Africa in uh, what was a titanic clash standout performance from Bundyaki unbelievable he's now carried the ball 53 times in the tournament I mean Ireland are now way head and shoulders the favorites to win the tournament but is there always a danger that they peaked a little bit too early in the competition no because I think there's still more to come actually from that team because they did what they needed to do to beat South Africa, which was produce an unbelievable defensive performance, take the chance they did create, just stay calm, just stay focused, mix great accuracy with huge physicality, which is extremely difficult to do against an onslaught from a team like South Africa, who is still a phenomenal side. So for Ireland to win, to win that game is, is absolutely outrageous in many ways. But you, you look at it and think that actually they can get better again. Because what they've got, which actually no one else in the world has at the moment, is the accuracy of everything they do in every part of their process is, is off the charts. So every time they carry the ball, the angles that the players take the ball into contact, the angles that then the next players work the ball, everything is designed with helping the next person's job in mind. So it gives that next person 0.1 or 0.2 of a second more time on the ball or more time to do what they need to do. And all that cascades down and creates, you know, out wide, an opportunity in the end for Matt Hansen to walk the ball in. That doesn't come by default. That is unbelievably by design. So that's phenomenal coaching, which was started with Joe Schmidt and has been refined by Andy Farrell. And Andy Farrell's taken his coaching career into a different stratosphere. And he learned from the mistakes that were made in England in 2015 and proven just again, like Warren Gatland, he failed with Ireland. And then he came back with Wasps and then he came back with Wales. You know, test coaching is a brutal business, but you can learn and you can change and you can adapt. And, and Andy Farrell is what he's produced with Ireland is absolutely phenomenal. But the players also have to be given like, for not, you know, great credit for what they've done. And someone like Bundy, especially, Saturday was his 50th cap. I mean, it's phenomenal. I know there are some people who you know, haven't got the most time in the world for their residency rule, but we live in a, a global world. Nationality is absolutely not linear. And for someone like Bundyaki to be able to do that, support his extended family, change his life and, you know, commit to a country and put everything behind it and then produce performances like that and still to be improving at 33, I think it's incredible. Yeah, now, a global world for certain, because two of the barmen in the pub that I was in were South African. And I said to them both, simplistically maybe, uh, South Africa will not win the World Cup. They cannot kick their goals. Now, that is true. Do you not think without Pollard backing that team, I can't see how South Africa can progress beyond the quarterfinals? Yeah, I think it's... um. 
I think it's tough, isn't it? And I think it's a tough time for Marley Libok because he's been so exciting to see with ball in hand. But yeah, if points run off, you have to take them. And it's as simple as that. And you have to find a way. So it's something that I think they need to nail down. It was a surprise to see Vaftekirk miss the odd relatively easy one. He's actually, he strikes the ball so well. And you often find this with, with scrum halves. They really strike a ball off the tee really, really sweetly because Connor Murray's exactly the same. It's a Rolls-Royce uh, kicking action. But... There's so much more to goal kicking than just the action because it's repeating it under the greatest of pressures and it's doing it almost letting go of the fact that you might miss, you know, which it sounds pretty crazy to say. But Johnny Wilkinson was talking about this on, on ITV in terms of how to approach a drop goal. And for Johnny, who, you know, obviously dropped England's most famous goal of all time and won the World Cup in 2003. He was somebody who battled a lot of demons, to be honest, in terms of to, to get himself to that point with the sort of mental torture he'd put himself through. But for him to be able to get to the point where he could let go and just produce, I mean, you know, it's it's incredible. And obviously he, he did that then and he did it again in more style at the end of his career with Toulon. And I think that was a real compelling insight into what it takes to nail those kicks under the greatest of pressure. And I mean, I don't know how some of these guys do it. Now, we should obviously mention that Scotland also won. They beat Tonga 45-17. They've lost Jamie Ritchie, unfortunately, for 12 days after he was concussed. Now, they obviously will be looking ahead, though, to the game against Ireland, which is on October the 7th, which is probably the crunch game for them. I was just going to touch on, though, before we go, this week's games, no disrespect to the tournament organisers, but it's possibly the worst collection of fixtures that they could have to keep it going is there anything there other than obviously fiji georgia i guess which is on saturday is there any other games there that stand out for you well i mean australia's game could be not so much for the match but more the aftermath of it and that could obviously be the end of their situation and uh, end of their world cup campaign and it's always compelling to see what eddie will say in any kind of situation but if he's basically sat there kind of dealing with brickbats again and that's something else isn't it i mean on the booing front i know that obviously supporters are entitled to do what they want to do and it becomes a bit pantomime but i think it's important that people hopefully stay the right side of the line there we've seen obviously eddie before in australia received some abuse and he received some in scotland didn't he and i think whatever eddie jones is he's a human being so let's not forget this he's doing the best he can you know and no one in that australia squad is trying to do something to make any mistakes or similar so i'm sure he can take the booze and the spirits which they're intended but let's hope that's where that sort of thing begins and end because critiquing performances and things that is absolutely fine but it can't go any further than yeah that. no definitely totally agree uh well nick thank you so much for joining me glad you did even though lawrence obviously couldn't make it i would now estimate he must have made it to paris with a bit of luck or well, unless his train was going somewhere else who knows with lawrence you never know do you really let's but... hope he's on the right one yeah exactly <laughs> yeah exactly um, he could probably flag down the lift if he needs one couldn't he someone will, someone will get, get, pick him up well he will <laughs> he will be back we will be putting out another episode this week uh, who knows when but we definitely will be so thank you for joining me and, and enjoy the rest of your week there thanks nick thanks a lot so thank you for listening to this week's episode of the evening standard rugby podcast please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and we'll be back very soon the evening standard rugby podcast with lawrence delalio Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance.
QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions.